December 27, 2022. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated Le'ilui Nishmat Eliyahu ben Miriam Elliot R. Shalmay and in loving memory of Michael Fallis, Moshe ben Rachel by Solomon Fallis. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and the Pezayin Amud Aleph. If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's four lines up, three words onto the line with that word Davar. If you recall the context of the Gemara, it's dealing with Zaken Mamre, it's an individual who's a mumhela betin, it's a person who knows how to and is involved with already uh, spreading forth halakha, is posek halakha for many other people. That individual, for some reason or another, decides to go off the rails in the halakhic sense. Instead of following uh, the prescribed law and direction that we have as a nation, as we have with regards to his tradition, he starts to interpret the Torah, at the very least in one circumstance, in a way that differs from the mainstream opinion, and he uh, goes against the local betin, again, this individual who's a posek in his own right, and in turn, they bring him up, the Torah says they're supposed to, to Yerushalayim, to Harabayit. He encounters one betin and then another betin, and then ultimately speaking, the betin Haggadol, the 71 judges who are found in Lishkat Hagazit, and he disagrees with them, comes back and continues to teach against their law and instruct against the law, not just interpret the Torah against the uh, mainstream position. In such a circumstance, the Torah says that person is liable for mitat henek. Now, under what circumstances? What sort of halakha? I described to you the procedure. What sort of halakha? So we had a beraita at the top, top of the pezayin amudalf, which read all those pesukim carefully and methodically with regards to zaken mamre, and described how many, many different laws and halakhot are incorporated into this uh, halakha, which means that if he disagrees with X, and Y, and Z, and A, B, C, all of these that are hinted at in the Pesukim, they're all liable to uh, the situation of Zakin Mamre, be punished by Henek. The Gemara then, yesterday that we learned, had this Biraitan, there were three opinions. The most important for us today, in the next day or two, is that of Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir seemed to, a little bit, narrow the scope. Rabbi Meir said it's specifically on laws and halachot that have the severity of which means to say, if a person were to go against whatever this law that they're debating, and they violate it, and the assumption is, as Tosafot interprets it, this zaken mamre is being mekil, he's being lenient on the matter, and the betin hagadol is being stringent on the matter, and according to his word, people will now be transgressing the proper law, the normative practice. Under those circumstances, said Rabbi Meir, and he derived it from his derasha, it has to be the severity of a law, of a violation, that the person who would do so would get karet if they did it b'mezid, they'd get cut off from heaven, defined accordingly, and b'shogeg, they'd get korban hatat if they did it accidentally. That's the severity of the law, that this person needs to be disagreeing rebelliously against betin hagadol. For. Uh, so the Gemara then went back, and it's what we're doing now in the midst of this Gemara, and the Gemara yesterday, and the Gemara tomorrow, and Rav Papa retraced our steps. He went back to that Beraita, which interpreted the different Pesukim as referring to X, and to Y, and to Z, and so forth, and says, are these really all cases that are that severe? So the first one you might recall that we discussed yesterday was with regards to Kiddush HaChodesh, or rather, Ibur Shana. 
adding on a month to a year. Is it really that high severity? Is it that high stakes that you're dealing with a matter which is cut it? And the Gemara, Rav Papa, more specifically, drew a case for us where we're dealing with a dispute that will bring to, according to either one of these sides, violation of Pesach. If we're adding on an extra month, and there's a dispute about whether that's an extra month or not, for you uh, or for me, we might have different days that are Pesach. Well, the Beit Din HaGadol describes uh, the first uh, uh, encounter of a date that might be Pesach. Pesach has Pesach, but the Zakin Mamre is claiming it's the next day, and in such a circumstance, he's telling others on Pesach to be eating Hametz. That's a Davar Shezidono Karet. Shigato Hatat. You may have not imagined it as such initially. You would have said they're just disagreeing about how and when to add on an extra month. No, it's got a lot at stake. That's what the Gemara has set up for it uh, up ahead. So the next one, if you take a look, uh, four lines from the bottom over here, um, it's with this word Davar. Uh, so if you recall, the Pasuk says, Ki davar. And davar, as that first beraita that we refer to today is describing, each one of those words describe a different halakha davar. Go ahead. Are you asking, in their listening to him? They were misled by him. I want to know what the halakha would be for them. Uh, they're not going to be hayav karet if they're doing it uh, you know, mistakenly. Are they going to be Hayav Korban Hatat? They'd probably be Hayav Korban Hatat. That's my guess, a great question. I'm not sure. I know what the halakha is when the Beit Din Hagadol does it, when you have Par Ha'alem Davar Shel Sibur. Not 100%. The whole, the whole this was the final case that, that he's Hayav. That he's hayav henik because the severity of the act, if done b'mezid, was cut it. Not that they're per se doing it b'mezid. Um, my guess, although it's not too hard to figure out, my guess is they'd be hayav korban hatat because they are mistaken in law. Uh, you'd say, but what if they knew about the occurrences in Betis and then maybe they're Hayav Karet if they know about what took place and they're still doing it rebelliously. It might be dependent upon their knowledge. He's just telling them, Heke, they're in his knis and they're in his midrash and they don't realize what went on behind the scenes. Shogeg will say, Chagag, uh, you know, Bahalacha. Or alternative, if they know about it, then it's Mezid. That would be my guess. It's a good question. Anyway, the Gemara now deals with this derashah and pasuk davar and davar. davar. They interpret it as davar. Take a look here. Four lines from bottom. Ze halacha. It's a reference to halacha Moshe misinai. What sort of halacha Moshe misinai would we be referring to? Again, a tradition which is not explicitly recorded at all in the Torah, which brings with it again, in whatever the interpretation is, potentially a chiyuv hatat korban. Uh, excuse me, So it goes as follows. As I mentioned last time, before, as the Gemara Masechet Nida uh, compiles for us, before we, as the rabbinic and communal and national interpretation and understanding of halakha, altered it. We became more stringent in the laws of Nida. It once existed as follows. There were seven days after a woman would see a menstrual blood, there would be seven days, those seven days immediately, not the way it's done today, immediately there'll be seven days, those would be considered yemetum'ah, those would be days in which we consider her to be tamet. the conclusion of those seven days, she'd immerse and she'd be tehorah, there wasn't exactly what we've described uh, with regards to uh, what goes into it today. After that, there'd be an 11 day period, so it was a seven and 11 day period, that 11 day period was known as yemeziva. That was the name of those days. And the way it worked, and you'll see this referred to from time to time in the Gemara. Again, 
not relevant to us other than understanding their history. And then, if you learn Nida, if you understand the halachot of Nida, understand how it developed. But for our purposes, we're mentioning it nonetheless because this was once how it was followed. There were 11 days afterwards called Yemeziva. Over the course of those 11 days, the woman was supposed to be what's called Shomeret Yom Keneged Yom, which means to say, um, if she would see blood on one day, she would then, for the next day, wait and see if she was not seeing blood. If she didn't see blood, she immerses, and that night she's permitted to her husband, they continue regular life. If she sees that over the course of 11 days, three times, if there's a three-time seeing, doesn't need to be one after the other, but there's three times, she's what's considered Zava Gedola. Zava Gedola is no longer playing this game of I saw and I waited waited a day and then I immersed, but rather she needs to keep what we now know today as Shiva Nikim. She needs seven days of purity at the conclusion of which she needed to bring a korban. There was a specific korban for Zava in that circumstances. That's really what we're dealing with when we talk about this Ahadasar Yom, this Hilchot Ahadasar, talking about the 11 days of Ziva. Now the question that we'll encounter right now is a mahlok between Biyohanan and Lakish. Again, for our purposes, it's a very tangential point because it's not practical at all. But the Mahloket, for our purposes in the Gemara, went as follows. If it was on day 11, day 11, the woman sees blood. Again, of an 11-day count of Ziva, she sees blood. She's not waiting the next day and that night going to the Mikveh. She's, there is no next day. It's 11 days, and then she's back into the next cycle. As a result, the Halakha was, she just waits that day. She goes to the Mikveh. She doesn't need to wait another day. She doesn't need to be Shomeret Yom, uh, to be observing, safeguarding a day of purity, Keneged Yom, uh, in parallel to the day in which she saw the blood. Um, a, as a result, for reasons we briefly mentioned yesterday, not, not to be get, getting into too much today, have a debate, what about day 10? Is day 10 parallel to day 11 in that respect, or is day 10 just like the other days? Does she need to, if she saw on day 10, wait day 11 and then immerse that night and then before the night and then she's permitted? Or is it just day 10? It's just like day 11. She doesn't need to wait an extra day. She goes that night to the mikveh and she's tehora in that respect. What's the reason to argue like that? Because there's no potential, no possibility from day 10 and 11 that you'll have three days. So maybe it's only when you have the potential of three days afterwards that you'd have such a halakha. Either way, you slice it. That's the mahlok in Rosh Lakish and Biohanan. Do we consider day 10, you'll see these words in the Gemara, just like day 11. Do we assume that day 10 needs a full day afterwards of shimira, of not seeing blood before immersing? Or is day 10 sufficient? You saw blood, you can immerse and then, and then be permitted that night. Now, that question, whether day 10 is considered like day 11, whether you got all the details or not, I said it pretty quickly. Well, you do understand that the very least that we're playing with, in a very real sense, fire, we're playing with karet. If I maintain one way and you maintain the other way, and we instruct this woman, your wife, my wife, anyone, whatever, they're now permitted to their husband or prohibited to their husband, and we're really dealing with a karet situation. The man who has relations with his wife when she's, when she's nida is hayuf karet. Therefore, if this issue was debated and Betin HaGadol came to one conclusion and the Zaken Mamrev comes to another conclusion, he's quite literally debating and disputing a matter which is Zidono Karechi Gato Hatat. That's what the Gemara will articulate for us right now. Again, Halakha Zohalat Echadasar Di Itmar, after what was said in the Midrash, Asiri, if the woman during her 11 days of what we call Yemeziva, after those initial seven days, Rabbi Yohanan Amar Asiri Katishi'i. Rabbi Yohanan's opinion is Asiri, the 10th day, needs its 11th day of Shimur. The next day, she needs to wait 
and not see blood before immersing. Uh, we, we liken it to the ninth day, the tenth is just like the eleventh, with regards to that night she would be permitted, provided that she went to the mikveh. She doesn't need to be shomeret yom keneged yom, safeguarding a day uh, parallel to the day in which she saw. So it says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Asiri Katishi'i, Rabbi Yochanan, in saying the tenth is like the ninth, it sounds like code words, this is what it means. Matishi'i ba'eshimur, the same way the ninth day needs a next day, the tenth day, to be bishmira, she needs to be safeguarding, careful that she's not bleeding. Af Asiri ba'eshimur, so to the tenth day, Lakish disagrees. Amar Asiri ke hadasar ma hadasar la ba'eshimur af Asiri la ba'eshimur. Okay, so with regards to this, the Gemara then explains to us that the halacha, halacha le Moshe Misinai, which the Zaken Mamre, among many, again, we're just giving examples along the way of understanding that Rabbi Meir, whose opinion was the severity needs to be zedono karet, shigato hatat, can fit into the, all those interpretations we had earlier in the Beraita. Well, here you have it with regards to this, but there's plenty more. Or mishpat. The next word in the pasuk is kipaleb mechadavar la mishpat, and the interpretation of mishpat was ze. The mishpat is a reference to hadin. Uh, what sort of deen would we be referring to? Well, deen we interpreted and explained meant gezerah shava. It's when the rabbis have a tradition to link two words, uh, one to the other, and in turn understand halachot from that. What if the zaken mamre disputes that? It goes against their dirasha. They have a tradition which links these two words and teaches laws. He goes against it. What's an example of a gezerah shava? Again, there could be many that will yield, it'll render, it'll bring forth a hiyuv karet. What sort of situation? Now this one I promise you we won't go into depth on because we already did it. I'll leave it to your imagination and memory for this one. Deen, this is a reference to bito me'anusato, the halacha with regards to the prohibition and punishment of a person who has relations with his daughter from a woman that he raped. Again, that's not explicit in the Torah. It's only learned from a twofold, uh, two separate gezerah shava. De'amar ava, amar li ravitzhak baravudimi atya henna henna. Atya zima zima, we had a gezerah shava first to prohibit, and then a gezerah shava to explain the punishment, but ultimately speaking, all the laws of bito, daughter me'anusato, from a woman that you lo'aleno raped, the prohibition, the punishment, is derived from gezerah shava. That's the severity of the circumstance. That's how we're talking about a karet with regards to the zakin mamre. If he disagreed, for example, with this law. Yes, Jess. How is Moshe Mishnah different with to a certain extent, they're similar. It's just technical. In, 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 uh, in, 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 one is not at all in the text. At all. We didn't see 11 days at all in the text. This, we have words in the Torah that point us to. Technically speaking, that's the difference. Fundamentally, same thing. They both have the strength of halakha from the Torah, and neither one of them is explicit. All right, then we have, furthermore, ben dam ledam. The pasuk says, "Ki palemi mechad davar la mishpat." If the if the zaken uh, mamre is disputing a matter, bendam ledam, disputing between blood and blood, and the derasha that we had in the beraita at the top of pezayin amudal said, "Ben dam nida, dam leda, dam ziva." Three different circumstances, in addition to what we mentioned earlier, obviously, with regards to Halakha Moshe Sinai. We're going to have other situations now, and Rav Papa is going to have to craftily explain this for us, where the Zaken Mamre might be disputing a matter with regards to Nida, some sort of dispute that will render a karet, 
potential situation. Dam leda, the blood which is seen at time of birth, we'll talk about that as well, and as it needs to lead us to karet. And dam ziva, well, we described what ziva was, we're gonna have to go back to that as well. First and foremost, what sort of, again, it could be among many, what sort of mahlokit might there be? What sort of rebellious explanation to the Torah and, and instruction of the people with the zaken mamre be telling them against the betin hagadol? Dam nida biplukta, there's a mahloka between this rabbi whose name was Akavya ben Mahalaleel and the Hachamim with regards to a particular color of blood of a nida, of a menstrual of a woman going through her menstruation menstrual uh, um, period. Ditnan, as the Mishnah in Masih Nida tells, Dam Hayarok. What if there's a blood? That isn't the regular blood. Well, let's say it's yellowish, greenish in some respect. Okay, there's a debate exactly about what yarok means in this context. But for our purposes, it's a different color. Let's call it green for now. Akavya ben mahalaleel mitameh. The hachamim mitaharim. Well, that's it. There's a mahlok and there's a dispute about how to deal with that. Now, blood needs to be uh, the natural color of blood. Well, that's red. There's no question if the blood is red that we considered red uh, to be uh, tameh. What if it's black, for example? So when it's black, so there's a gemara and shnayot to deal with it as well. Red, a black might be red that was dried up. What if it's brown? There are all sorts of questions with regards to it. If it's pink, pink we assume is just like red. I mean, there's all sorts of questions with regards to a woman who sees blood on a garment. We're not talking about the blood outside. We're talking about the blood she's stained in some respect, uh, or, or she sees it separately. Under those circumstances, what's the halakha? Do we consider this nida? Do we consider it something else? Is it some other discharge? And as a result, she's not considered a nida. So in this context, they have a debate. They have a discussion about this dam yarok, ben mahalaleel, versus the hachamim. What if on this sort of matter, he, this Zakin Mamre, gets involved, gets into the fray. He makes a statement, a bold one, against the rabbis on this matter. And in turn, uh, there's all sorts of different laws which are being propagated, and as a result, bringing to a Hiyuv Karet, all right, that's our next case with regards to maybe what he might dispute. Dam Leda, what sort of halakha might it be with regards to Dam Leda, the blood a woman might see? upon giving birth to a child. So Rashi will interpret this Gemara, and we'll go with it in the context of giving birth to a girl, but you could parallel it in the different laws with regards to giving birth to a boy. But with regards to giving birth to a girl, again, we're not talking, if you give birth to a bo- girl, we could talk about exactly how to deal with this right now. Let's talk about it theoretically to a certain extent. It's Pesukim in the Torah, but how they play out, how we interpret them. Separate conversation, but here's what the Pesukim in the Torah seem to say. The Pesukim in the Torah seem to say quite clearly that after giving birth to a baby girl, girl, the woman is for 14 days tamej. 14 days, she's impure to her husband. At the conclusion of 14 days, there are 66 days, again, all together adding up to 80, 66 days of tahara, which appears to tell us that after the first, within the first 14 days, irrespective of what she sees, doesn't see... She's impure. In those 66 days, it seems to tell us that irrespective of whether she sees or doesn't see, she is pure. Oh, she can be bleeding, it sounds like, throughout the 66 days. We say that's dam tahara, that's uh, childbirth of uh, blood. First 14 days is uh, tameh blood. 
That's the halacha, seemingly from the Torah. Now the question is, conceptually and in term practically, how do we envision these two bloods? Uh, do we assume that the first blood, I'm sorry, we're not learning Masechet, so everyone should just come, that's not the next Masechet, don't get, uh, we need a, but you know. Anyway, as so the, first, the first 14 days, do we imagine that as coming from a different source? That's where we're going to have the word ma'ayan. Ma'ayan literally means a, means a spring of sorts, it means a flow. Is it from a different source? We consider that blood or anything that's taking place from one source and the following 66 days from a different source? Or is it really all one source? And at the conclusion of 14 days, so to speak, points his finger at it and says, now it has a different status. So I say, what's the difference? Coming from the same source, different sources. I don't even know what that means fully. Well, it's got the following ramification. What if at the conclusion of 14, she just continues bleeding from 14 into 15 into 16? If we assume, if we assume that, it's all, that it's from different sources, that the idea of the 66 days being different, being betahara as opposed to the first 14 days, the fact that it just continued, we say, oh, that was all coming from the same source. According to your opinion that the only reason the 66 days is because it came from a different source, I'll prove to you it's not from a different source. And as a result, she'll continue her tumah. Again, if it's 14 days, and then it's, so to speak, it's supposed to stop. And if she sees blood, it's coming from a different source. So I'll say, well, it didn't stop. I'll say, as a result, she's still tameh. I'll go like that, for example. Uh, alternatively, um, uh, on the flip side, if I assume that it comes from two separate sources, what's that? No, I mean it comes from a different part uh, in the uh, anatomy of a woman, in some respect. So in other words, we're going to have ramifications with regards to this debate about whether it's coming, let's call it physiologically, from one place as opposed to another place, or if it's all a flow from one place and it just changes its status. That's the, the debate will be according to halakha. But again, we're not even going to see that played out. I'm just telling you that's what plays out as a result you're dealing with karet. Because if I assume one opinion, it'll have a different halakha than the other opinion. Therefore, says the Gemara over here, uh, that with, with no, no further introduction, Adam leda beplukta, this would perhaps be dependent upon if the Zaken Mamre is disputing de Rav Levi, the mahlog between Rav and Levi. Di itmar, Rav amar ma'ayan ehad. Rav says it's all one flow. So at the conclusion of 14 days, uh, so even though now over the course of the next 66 days, let's say she's seeing blood every day, doesn't matter. Uh, the God, so to speak, zaps it and says it has a different status. Um, and ultimately speaking, in the next 66 days, the Torah says it's tahor. Now, according to Rav, the fact that it continues flowing is not a problem. According to Rav, it continued flowing God says, that's right. Now I give the cutoff. This blood, even though it comes from the same place, no, that's illogical. It comes from the same place, the exact same. So doesn't matter. That's not the way it works. There are two separate sources, two separate flows. The way we imagine it is at the conclusion of 14 is it closes, and then any blood that you see afterwards from a different source, different flow, and as a result, it has a different status. By extension, according to Levi, you'd have a leniency that you won't have according to Rav. What if at the end of 66 days, she continues bleeding. She never stopped. According to the second opinion, that of Levi, she's still Tahor. We assume it's coming from that second source, uh, from that second flow. According to Rav, no, we say and now the Torah again is Either way, 
first 14. The first 14, right? That's the one I articulated already. That's right. So ultimately speaking, you got to just, all right, someone understood this. Uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, the, the details of this, unfortunately, are not uh, practical. Um, I, I say unfortunately, because it would be more exciting if we could make this practical with regards to, you know, the regular, um, you know, movement of, of life. Uh, but ultimately speaking, the Gemara, therefore, is just giving this as another example with regards to Zakin Mamre, who might be disputing a law, Damleda, which will lead to a Hiyuv Karet. Damziva, one more of these bloods, uh, hard again to imagine and to deal with in a regular sense. But anyway, Dam Ziva, now we explain what Ziva is. Ziva is during those 11 days. Now we're going to be talking about if there's those 11 days, but the following happened. The woman is having labor pains. Uh, she's having contractions, let's say, but she's having labor pains, and as a result, we think, that's why she's bleed, bled three days in a row. Now, bleeding three days in a row, we said earlier, has the halakha, again, of ziva gedola. She's considered, zava gedola, excuse me. She's considered a zava to the extent that now she needs to wait seven days of purity and bring a korban at the conclusion. That seems to be in the Torah, maybe not the specifics, but that's a circumstance where you'd have to bring a korban for being a zava. Now, what if it's coupled so to speak, with labor pains. Uh, labor pains, the contractions, we maybe should be assuming that's why she's seeing blood. All right, so there's going to be a debate about the specifics on this. Instead of being emoraim this time, it's tanaim, ditnan. Kishata, if the woman has kishayim, uh, she has kishaye leda, she has difficulty in labor, shiloshayamim betoch echadasayom. Got it? There's three days uh, as part of her 11 days, we call those yemeziva, but she's having contractions, she's having labor pains during those days. Im, if shifeta me'et le'et v'yaleda hareze yoledet bezov divrer bilizer. If there's a pause, Me'et le'et. Me'et le'et means a 24-hour pause. In other words, it's contractions, labor pains, whatever. And then there's a pause. And then she bleeds again. That pause knocked out our ability to say, oh, she's not a zava. Oh, she's doing this just because of labor. We said, I don't know why she had it. It seemed like it was because of labor originally, those first two days, first day of blood. The fact that there was in the middle some sort of pause and calm, that breaks it up. And as a result, if she sees now a third time, we say she's not only uh, gave birth and she's going to have to bring a korban for that, she'll have to bring a korban as well for being a zava. Okay. What's that? Doesn't need to be sequential. Doesn't need to be one after the other. It needs to be three as a part of eleven. Doesn't need to be one after the other. If you have one shomeret yom, one shomeret yom, one shomeret yom, zavagedola. Yeah. Rabbi Yoshua Omer he agrees in principle, but he disagrees in terms of details. He says it's not just twenty-four hours that breaks it up and makes this a more severe situation. In other words, considering her zava, but rather it needs to be laila v'yom kelele shabbat v'yomo shifeta min hasar. So the halacha needs to be that it's a circumstance where it's 24 hours, but not the standard 24 hours. It needs to go night into day. It needs to be that sort. It could be a lot more than 24 hours. It needs to go like Shabbat. It starts at night. It goes into the day. You have a full day in that respect. In the halachic sense, night going into day, a full period. If she stopped during that time period and doesn't have these labor pains, doesn't have this, uh, these contractions, then and only then will we say that it breaks up the first bleeding day or days from the next one or, or ones. Uh, again, uh, what's the logic? What's, what underlies these two opinions? Not our issue, but what we are 
are dealing with then is a halakha from the Torah. And we're dealing with a halakha from the Torah to the extent that there'll be a karet. And as a result, what if the zaken mamre, I know we don't think very often about this, but disagrees with this sort of halakha, that might be the reference to the dam zivad. Next, bendin ledin. If you recall, the next part of the pasuk says between a matter of law and a matter of law, judgment and judgment. What sort of situation? The beraita told us that was a reference to bendine mamrot, dine nefashot, dine makot. If the zaken mamre disagrees with the betin hagadol on a matter that has to do with financial dispute in court, and it has some financial dispute, what does that have to do with karet? I mean, it's terrible. Nobody wants to be stealing using someone else's money. Karet. Okay, it has to deal with a judgment case with regards to putting to death. I can already start to conjure up something in my mind with regards to karet. And lastly, dinem makot. Makot, we know it's a full masechet makot. We've talked about it in masechet Sanhedrin. Lashes, he disagrees with regards to court proceedings on lashes. That's going to bring to karet. So here's the Gemara's interpretation to each one of those. Again, Rav Papa, just for context again, Rav Papa is trying to match these derashot to the opinion of Rabbi Meir. These derashot, which we had in the initial beraita, this is a reference in the Pasuk and says Bindin Ledin to Rabbi Meir who says the severity needs to be Zedono Karet Shigato Hata Dinemamonot Biplukta Dishmuel Virbi Avau. It's good we're doing this at the end of Masechet Sanhedrin because it brings us all the way back. And several lines over here at the beginning. Daf Gimal, you might recall this. The Amar Shemuel Shenaim Shedanu Dinehem Din Ela Shenikraim Betin Hatsuf Verbi Avahu Amar Ledivre Hakol En Dinehen Din. There was a dispute on Daf Gimal, and then we talked about it again. I think on Daf He. The question was that we had a derasha, we had an understanding. The Mishnah told us for Dinei Mamonot, a financial dispute in a rabbinic court, you need three judges. What if you had just two judges? Is it still uh, sufficient? It wasn't ideal. Is it still sufficient? Let's say they determined that Reuven owes Shimon money, but there were only two judges. So according to the first opinion over here, that of Shimuel, uh, we accept it and we listen to it. And if as a result, Reuven paid Shimon the money, Shimon holds on to that money. What's that? Instead of three. Halakha is even three. Two are sitting instead. I don't know why. You couldn't get a third. Uh, so Reuven pays Shimon, Shimon yells after him, no, it's all fake, it's not a real Betin. So Shimon, listen, it wasn't ideal. We look at those judges, Betin Hatsuf. We say, you guys have audacity. How'd you do that? It's against the law. But Dinehem Din, now, that was derived from Pesukim, but it works. The next opinion of Biavau says, absolutely not. Shimon took money from Reuven based on a Din of two. Uh, give that money back. That money is stolen money in the hands of Shimon. He might be right, but you need a new court to determine that, a court of three. Now, what does that have to do with Karet? That's money. Nobody wants to steal money, but you don't get karet for money. Okay, so before you smile too much, I'll reveal it to you. Rashi, maybe the art school tells you what? Yeah, all right. Okay, good. One approach says, Eli, they should get karet. All right, the Torah doesn't say so. I mean, Torah wants us not stealing, but doesn't say karet. A lot, a lot of people are in a lot of trouble for getting karet for, you know, thievery. But uh, that's not a reason to change it. That's not, maybe it's a reason to get Anyway, uh, Rashi says, uh, again, Rashi's extending and he's explaining the Gemara. That's what the Gemara seems to be implying. What if that money, which Shimon is now holding on to, he goes and uses to be Mekadesh a woman? with this money and the rabbi turns and says your money absolutely my money and he hands it to the woman then we find out that money he got through the betin of two. Oh, that money now is liable to being considered uh, money which was stolen the halakha in masechet kiddushin and dafnun bet is if a woman's bekudeshet with stolen money she's enam bekudeshet we're now playing with is she an eshetish is she not an eshetish 
Karet situation, that's what we're dealing with. Next, and lastly for today, Dinene Fashot. What sort of dispute might he have with regards to Dinene Fashot? This is good Hazara as well, not all the way back to then at the beginning, but to Daf Ayintet. Ditanya, we had a Biraita. This was the circumstance, this was the Halakha we were dealing with. If a person was Nitkaven, he had intention to kill one person, but accidentally uh, kills another person. The example that they're dealing with is the Pesukim in the Torah, Parashat Mishpatim. Two people are fighting, and the intention is to kill, uh, that they derive from Pasukim Ason Nefesh Nafesh. Now, uh, instead of killing the person that you're fighting with, you killed a pregnant woman. Terrible circumstance. Now, what's the halakha in such a circumstance? Is the person who killed, not the person they intended to, but another person, are they liable for death penalty? They're certainly going to be liable for something, or are they liable, quote-unquote, just to pay restitution charges? They need to pay the family. That's a mahlokit. According to Rabbi, the first opinion, it's a reference to money. How does he derive that it's money? You might recall this again from as according to Rabbi, who disputes this with Hachamim, it's from the Pasuk afterwards. Pasuk says, uh, if there's no Ason, if, uh, and kills the babies which are internal of the woman, uh, it means that you're going to pay, based on court, uh, financial charges. Now, over there is a reference to finances. Rabbi says the same way, Venatata over there and Venatata over here. The Nitina in each of those cases needs to be parallel over there. Money, Venatata Nevish is going to be money as well. Okay, that's the opinion of Rabbi, the mechanics we dealt with. Rabbi says money. Hachamim say you lose your life. What does that have to do with Karet? Well, uh, creativity is very important always, specifically in this Gemara. What if the Halakha is not like Rabbi? It's not a financial charge, rather you were supposed to lose, not you, the person who struck him was supposed to lose his life. What's that? I got you, hang on. What if, the, the, I'm with you, the person was not supposed to pay money, they were supposed to lose their life. But we followed the opinion of Rabbi, let's say. So the Zakin Mamre, whatever, that's their dispute. And as a result, they paid money. Okay, so Reuven is fighting against Shimon, he ends up killing uh, 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 Leah. Uh, now, instead of losing his life, he pays the family of Leah $100,000. The husband of Leah now takes that $100,000 and goes and finds a woman and says, Now I'm a rich man, $100,000. But that money, if the halakha is that the person was supposed to lose his life and not pay money is... Stolen money. She's not supposed to be holding on to that money. He's not supposed to be holding. It's not his money. Okay, Rashi makes it even better. Rashi says, what if he goes and grasps the money from the person? He yeah. determines the halakha and he goes and takes it. Okay, and the Zakin Mamre is now weighing in on this situation. Is the money his and the money not his? Well, that's dependent on Mahlokin of Rabbi and Hachamim. If the money is not his, it means he's being Mekadesh, a woman, but it's not actual Kiddushin. And as a result, we can bring ourselves to an Eshet Ish situation in question, which of course is with the severity of Karet. The Gemara will go on to deal with Dinema Kot and then many others. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen, Amen.